the keeper. All right, welcome on back to the boys 161st Street, episode 230. Today is September 26th, and the Yankees have 10 games remaining on the schedule. Uh, I point that number out more so to uh, say Judge has 10 games left <laughs> to, to get to the record because that's all anybody gives a shit about. Um, it's actually getting crazy. People are people are getting a little stir-crazy at the stadium. I'm not sure if you guys have seen the clips, but that one guy who dumped ketchup on himself... Um, not sure if that's what I would do. Uh, that's not I'm, to each their own. However, you want to cope with uh, Judge going like not having a home run for I think it's four games in a row now, five games in a row. It's like the most in a while. But yeah, that and I'm not sure if you also saw the the other video of the guy texting his friend, and he was yeah, like, I, I thought that one was funnier. The other guy was just weird for pouring. Like, he he had to probably pump that ketchup at the ketchup station. <laughs> a while to get that much ketchup in that container um but the other guy who shot the text to his buddy while he was sitting there he's like hey judge and for those who didn't see it uh he's like hey judge is on deck uh but and i i have i'm about to shit my pants but judge on deck so um yeah 10 games left uh yankees just sweep the red Sox. but honestly it, it nobody i think it matters the games do matter and we're gonna we are now tonight if we win the, the game against the blue jays we will clinch the uh AL East and get a home game in the ALDS if we get there, or which we will be there, but uh, and a first round bye. But honestly, it doesn't really even feel like the games matter. Maybe that's because we're winning, but everybody's just looking at whether Judge can do it. How are you guys well, doing? We, we went on like a low key like seven game win streak, which I just realized, and I feel like I haven't been paying attention to us winning, so I just keep watching Judge at bats. Yeah, I think before we went on the air, we were chatting about that, and I think that's why I was shocked that you guys said it was a seven game win streak because I haven't really been paying attention to that as much as I would. Otherwise I'm just, all I know is judge is still at 60 home runs. And that's kind of like the, been the main thing that we've been looking at, but I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like I've been watching these at the, the at bats with judge and like, I, I feel so sorry for these fucking pitchers. Like, what do you like? <laughs> Especially Yankee Stadium, there's just everyone just wants you to give up a home run, and you don't want to throw a strike, and then you walk the guy, and then you get booed, and it's just no good situation for any pitcher who's pitching to him at home. I well, good really for funny. good for Bello for going after him last night. Like they, yeah. he had a base open and like a reasonable situation to walk him, and you know he didn't intentionally walk him. So I mean, no, that least... kid looked pretty good, honestly. He had he, he had does, some he's good stuff. very good. Yeah, uh, and I honestly. I was thinking about it since it was raining and and that game got cut short in the sixth inning because of rain rain out. I really wanted them to keep going because I feel like that benefited Judge a ton because obviously you can you can catch a ball that slips out of Bellow's hands or something like that or whoever the pitcher was at the time and just catch more you have more of an opportunity for a mistake is my is my take on that. I, I was I was thinking that there was an advantage Judge there, but they obviously called the game because it was raining pretty hard and, and honestly you know the track that track was underwater. That too, but you know that they didn't want to call that game for a number of reasons. They, but like, they don't want to. They would have called that game way earlier, ten, yeah. fifteen minutes into the rainout if Judge wasn't going for yeah, for sixty. And yeah. as somebody I mean, like, who lives in the area, it was fucking, it was pouring. So I, I don't blame them for calling the game. I just hope that it doesn't come down to him needing three more innings in the back end of the year, and which which could totally happen. Like he. He hasn't had a stretch that far that hasn't been less than like nine home runs on this season, but there's a world there's a world where he doesn't get two more home runs, and I don't want to be a part of that world. But what's your guys' level of concern with that? Because it's when is that going to set in? Because right now, ten games left is a little bit of a cushion. But he's not trying to hit home runs. He'll be fine. He's doing what he's been doing all year. He just he's gone through spells of five games multiple times this year. It happens. He's still hitting doubles. He's still putting the ball in play. He's gonna fall into a home run. I think being on the road helps because at Yankee Stadium, everybody's dead fucking silent every pitch. So yeah, I was actually thinking about that too. It's like, and and being I've I experienced that, and it was actually dead silent there. 
that definitely does not help him. Like, you know, you try to block out the noise and all the cheers and everything like that, but you get into such a rhythm of dealing with the loud noises while you're up to the point now where he has dead silence. It's like a, it's like a tennis match or a golf match. And it's just like, well, it, it just throws you off out of your rhythm. So I don't know. I thought that was actually an interesting point. I thought about that, Jenna. Yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't even notice that at all. Like, I don't know why. Notice why what? Thing. It was silent. Like I didn't just like, because it's what? like uh, everybody was, everybody wasn't having their side conversations because they were all focused on that. That's just yeah. what it is. It's not them trying to be like, Oh man, man at work, like try to be quiet. Like it's just, I mean, if this is where he is when he's off and not feeling comfortable, that's still pretty fucking good. He's hitting like two doubles a night. So yeah, I mean, right. yes, yes. I mean, he's I'm got like saying, an eight, yeah. six OPS during his homerless streak. I think one thing that's worth noting is that during this quiet seven game winning streak, while, you know, everybody's kind of been focused on judge, there's been like our bullpen has been fucking bad. Like we're 22nd in major league baseball and bullpen ERA, which I know the bullpen ERA is not everything, but you but shouldn't we be 22nd. And we were first after July. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, well, this is fall. this is over the last 10 games, not, oh, not okay. total over the year. But over the last 10 games, while we've been winning and everybody's been focused on judge and focused on trying to get the AL East and like, oh, we have this important stretch of games, their bullpen has been quietly blowing these leads every single night. Like, I think we blew the lead against the Red Sox three of those four games or something mm-hmm. like that. And we blew a couple leads against the Pirates. It's a nightly occurrence where they're blowing it or they're coming damn close to it. And that is a problem. And to further that, we don't have a closer. Like I know we talked about a couple weeks ago that we thought when Frost came back and maybe Clay Holmes would solidify himself after being on the IL. He's been just bad. Like there's no there's no way around it. So there are still some weaknesses. Obviously, everything's kind of sunshine and roses right now, but under the hood. There are problems going to October. Well, there's talk, talk of Chapman even getting DFA'd, so he, I don't know if that's really actually going to happen, but there goes that option. And if he even was an option to begin with, like, yeah, that's going to be a big problem. Well, I mean, Britain was fucking terrible, which we all expected. So, I mean, her. well, we expected that, but it, it's, it's another thing to actually have it happen. And now, like, if that ever was an option, it's not anymore. So that's another one that bites the dust there. But, I mean, he's he's probably still. Do you think that changes anything with him making the the playoff roster? Britain, that is. Britain, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think if he comes out and does the same thing again, he's yeah. fucked. Yeah, I mean, There's more really more a on that. Time left. Yeah, more on that, and and the rest of the ten games will be. Uh, hopefully, we'll see something out of somebody who could be that guy to to close in in the bullpen. I mean, we're gonna be doing just play the hot hand, and hopefully, somebody has a hot hand at the time, or using starters as relievers, like like for example, uh, a little more on this, and once we get to hot or not. But Frankie Montas is. Um, Boone mentioned that it would be tough time-wise to get Frankie Montas back into playoff rotation. He suggested an opener slash relief role. So, you know, I'm not suggesting that he would be the closer, but I'm suggesting that he would be another guy that could probably be a relief arm since the relievers have been so bad over the last 10 games or so, like you mentioned Chandler, but um, yeah, definitely a problem. The Chapman stuff, I'm not sure if I believe it, but the fact that they're even talking about it is just, uh, like kind of the nail in the coffin on the the career or Yankee career for all the Chapman. I feel like it's just uh, he's he's just not he hasn't been able to figure it out. And I don't know. I I don't have any confidence in him, so I don't see him getting any more like high leverage opportunities. I mean, if we always said that the only reason why Chapman got run is because the Yankees believe in him. Sometimes it was false belief, but they believed in him nonetheless. And the fact that they're even thinking about DFAing him kind of shows their hand as to how they feel about him now. So he's not going to get any any high leverage spots anytime soon. So uh, that's that's my takeaway from the that report from Joel Sherman that they apparently are contemplating DFAing him. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking good. I feel I have a feeling that like I don't know if there's enough time at all. I mean, there's ten games left. There's, that's not enough time to have a closer come out and emerge and prove himself and emerge from the bullpen like it's it's a shitty thing we talked about this like a month ago this might happen is that we're really just gonna like 
go out there and if we're in a closing situation we're just gonna ride with whoever's available and we have confidence in and it's probably gonna be a different person each night and there's no way around that i don't i don't yeah there's no way we can just like throw some out there consistently right now um the way the team's playing so we just gotta score a fuck ton of runs <laughs> yeah so i mean the <laughs> offense has been pretty good lately and and more on that in hot or not do you guys want to get into hot or not now and then just have those conversations because we're yeah, kind of we're kind of bleeding into that already uh, so who wants to do the hots and who wants to do the nuts? I'm feeling hot. All right. So Damon has got the hots. All right. So leading off for the hots, we got Glaber Torres. Over the last 30 days, 23 games played, six home runs, 20 RBIs, two, four stolen bases, excuse me. Are you going to... Sorry, I was waiting for you to finish. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm buying that. Oswald Peraza, not Cabrera. Oswald and Oswaldo, spoiler alert, is on this as well. But this, his numbers in his last 30 days are great, but his numbers in the last seven are even better. But in the last 30 days, 12 games played, only a 16% strikeout rate, which is lower than everybody else in the team, 296 batting average, 142 WRC+, and five extra base hits. Buying that as well. Oswaldo Cabrera, last 13, look even better than this as well, but his last 30, 25 games played, four home runs, and a 2.7 defensive war to pair that with a nine, nine extra base hits in that time frame. Find that too. And finally, Nestor Cortez, since July 14th, no other pitcher has a lower ERA than Nestor Cortez is a 2-3-1 ERA. Hell yeah, buying it, buying everybody. So... The main storyline here uh, with all these guys that we picked for the HOTS is, you know, finally there's a little bit of a supporting cast here, and you're seeing that in a seven-game win streak. So, obviously, I didn't mention Judge, but one thing that I will mention on here, if, if I picked him for every HOT or not, he would he would be on the list. He'd be the first in the list. But one funny thing that like I could easily have mentioned that he has 11 home runs over this time frame. He has 19 extra base hits, leads the league in everything. Uh, but one thing that was very funny that I saw on uh, on TikTok was Judge's war is 10.7 at the time when I saw the TikTok, at least. Uh, that's more than the following offenses for the entire year. The Angels, the Marlins, the Royals, the Rockies, the Nationals, the Reds, the Athletics, the Pirates, and the Tigers. Not combined, but uh, that if that was combined, that'd be, even, <laughs> that'd be the most crazy stat on the planet. But I still think that's pretty dang close. Um, but yeah, that's wild. But the, the main takeaway here is I'm glad that there are this many people to choose from, so much so that when I was making this list, it was kind of hard to not pick some people. Like Rizzo is is kind of been been doing his doing his thing for a little bit. Um, even even Kiner Falefa and Donaldson stat wise are are looking better than like they weren't like jump off the page bad. So that's that's a good sign when those guys are doing that. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention as an honorable mention is that Bader obviously had only six games so far and his stats don't jump off the page as amazing. But one thing that I really liked that I think he provides for this team is what he did. Uh, I think it was last night when he got on base, stole second, immediately took third on the overthrow or something like that. And then the very next pitch, Jose Trevino knocks him in on a single. Like that's, that's the ripple that he brings to this team. And that's why, I'm pumped that we we got him in a trade and I guess we could revisit that conversation is like it's it's a little too early to tell considering he's only played six games, but now recently Montgomery hasn't been pitching too well. He's give, given up fourteen earned runs over his last couple. So I mean the jury's still out on that, but i I do see the benefits and I know oh, I'll I'll pass it to Chandler on that. Uh but I think Bader I'll, I wanna ask you because I was always higher on Bader. Do you see the the benefit of having Bader, and are you? Uh, how do you feel about Bader right now? I never was anti Bader. I just didn't like. I thought people were blowing it way out of proportion. Like obviously, we know Montgomery isn't a like .5 ERA pitcher, and people were acting like Bader was gonna just come in and save the franchise. That I wasn't on board with, and I'm still not on board with. But he's done everything that you could ask of him so far. You know, to this point, he provides defense and base running and speed and he hits the ball and puts it in play and that's just shit that we were lacking before he provides a spark you know you were talking about 
earlier in the season when we were slumping, we need a spark. We need a spark. Maybe it's Peraza. Maybe it's Cabrera, whatever it may be. I mean, I would argue that Cabrera's had a major, major impact and has been probably the spark. But if you're looking for a 1B, I mean, Harrison Bader's done everything you could ask of him. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely happy. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Montgomery probably wouldn't start a playoff game as it sits right now. Uh, if he did, it would be a throwaway game. Not a throwaway game at the playoffs, but you know what I mean. A game for where there's no win or go home implications. Uh, so, I... At this point, I'm cool with it. I was never really – I wasn't anti it other than when I didn't think Harrison Bader was coming back. Right, and and the the biggest takeaway here, I guess, on top of that is that he looks pretty healthy, knock on wood, but he, he's running well. They mic'd him up in the in the Sunday night game, and he's he's kind of cool, so, so that, that plays pretty well too. He's He seems like he's he's meshed well with the locker room, and he seems like just a, a fun guy, so – he almost seems like the Rizzo type guy. I could see him and Rizzo being a very, very good friends. It, that there's going to be a new trio. It's going to be Judge Rizzo and now Bader is going to be in that in that friend group. Yeah, I can already tell. I was, I was about to say it. There's a very small sample size, but he seems like a big locker room guy. Absolutely, Murph. Like, yes. He, <coughs> confirmed, confirmed locker room guy, Murph. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> we, had to, we had to check with the the resident locker room litmus test over here. That's you. Um, but fun yeah, guy. he's he's just a fun guy. I I, you know. Feelings on the the hair policy. It's just a stupid policy. He gets fucked by that because he looks good with the long hair and the beard. He was fine with it. He, it's part of being in the No, I, I'm, I know. I'm not saying his feelings towards it. I'm saying he, from an outside looking in, he looks a lot better with the long hair. Not yeah. that he looks bad now, but I just I think he, he rocked it. The only person who has ever had a reasonable gripe with the hair policy is Andrew McCutcheon, in my opinion. And the yeah. hair and beard, because he actually has like the pedigree. I mean, who else gets pissed off about that? I mean, Clint Jackson Frazier, like fuck. <laughs> like if that's the reason you think that you're not good, then I got fucking news for you, pal. But I mean, everybody else is pretty much on board. And I mean, even McCutcheon was on board until he left, and he's like, "Yeah, it kind of sucked." And I'm like, you know what? You've well, won that's a couple, most of, couple MVPs, and you've you you've been there. I, I respect that. Yeah, you don't you don't get signed by the Yankees and just be like fuck this hair policy. Like you wait you wait until you're done. Well, it was funny because he mentioned what it what what happened when he came over to the Yankees and they didn't. I always wonder like, do they tell you like, hey, shave that shit off? No, like, he was tighten saying, it up. I know, I know, that's said, what I'm saying. He he mentioned that it he just it was like an unwritten, like, you know, everybody knows across the league that it's this is how it goes. And he just showed up and he, he want, didn't want to ruffle any fe- feathers coming in, so he just he just did it. But I guess I guess less on the hair policy, more on the uh, the hot list <laughs> that we were buying, is that so to round out, you bought all Glaber Torres, Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, and Nestor Cortez being hot. I think yeah. I think Glaber and Nestor these I don't think they required that much more of a conversation. I, I'm more interested in I think if I had to circle one because we've talked about Cabrera before and what he provides and and what we think his role will be in the playoffs. I think he's done all he needs to do to earn a, a spot in the lineup in the playoff games. And I think we've had that conversation plenty of times. Um, but Oswald, Peraza, Oswald Peraza, in my mind, I mean, he's just, the numbers look good and he's looked so good. He just, he's been getting hits. He's not getting out. He's not striking out a ton. Like I, I really like the way he's looked. Do you think that's enough to get? Cause he's one of the five very productive bats in the lineup right now, at least over the last 30 days. And, very much so over the last 14 and seven games. Do you think he has any role? Or do you think he's done anything to, to get in? If you're saying playoffs, God, no, they yeah. don't, they won't do that. Mm-mm. That's sad because he's looked really good. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. He's young. I hope so, but it's, it's not, especially with like, I know we're talking about the injuries and like people coming back. Like if we have more people coming back, then it's, he's going to be that guy who's not going to make it. If we have a lot of guys coming back into the roster. At this point, you got to take it for what it is. I mean, he's getting a taste of the big leagues. He's getting a taste of big league pitching, and it, there's going to be a place for him next year. Yeah. But barring is any there? injuries. Yeah, do you think there is? Likely. Why else would they keep him up? But I, I don't think – I think that they could put, put him put over them? IKF. Not, I mean, if he's your big guy and he, next year, is I think is going to be a different ballgame than this year. You have way you repeatedly have way too much faith in this front office. You use like logic and stuff, and that just doesn't fly in New York. Right. <laughs> and <yeah>. stuff. 
No, there will be a spot for him next year. Otherwise, they're completely wasting bringing him up for this amount of time this year. I think that this was to give him a taste of some pitching, kind of like what they did with Jeter in 95. They brought him up, and like he was on the bench throughout the playoffs. He wasn't even on the active roster, but they threw him in the dugout. And, you know, he didn't he play because the starter got hurt in spring training the following year i think that's yeah, what i'm saying but, yeah so i, mean, I don't even know jeter if that, is that it is true he got hurt at the end of spring training and jeter was having a terrible spring he was he was having a terrible spring right but i'm just saying like you know it's the the goal is to get him up there and i think that that's why he's still here Right, so I think, but I mean, that doesn't mean he's going to be there in the playoffs, and I don't think he's going to sit on the bench in the playoffs either. But so for those that are going to be here in the playoffs, I think we're probably all on the same page that he's not going to have an impact this postseason. He's obviously helping us get wins right now, and that's huge. Um, but I mean, Cabrera, in his last thirteen, I mentioned the tw- last thirty games, but his last thirteen, he's got a one dot one OPS, four home runs, eight extra base hits. That's does anybody have any objections to him being the left fielder? I think he should be. No, yeah, he should. I be. don't think anybody. Ben is going to be back, supposedly. So yeah, that's I'm where not, things get. That's where things that. get hairy. It does well, get dicey getting, there. He's getting his stitches comes, out this week. So and well, we talked about this last back, week. Then his position. So well, is, we had a positive. Comes, well, I know, but we had news since last week. It came out today that his stitches were coming out Wednesday, and everything's progressing perfect for him. So that's where I. That's why I bring it up. Is because if he's back, he's your left fielder, and I think you still need to find a way to put Cabrera in the lineup, but they're not going to, and that's that sucks because he, well, he's provided so much. He's the I think if that's the case, then Cabrera's the first guy off the bench at just about any given position that's not pitcher and catcher. So I, I also I mentioned those offensive numbers. So too. offensively, he needs to be worked in. We know that. Will they do it is always the question. But even defensively, I mentioned on while we were actually doing the segment, he has a two point seven defensive war of less thirty days. Like that, that's double anybody else on the team outside of just, Jose Trevino. Think, I know, I know what you're saying, but well, I'm no, just no, saying no. from our perspective October and how many log jams there's going to be anyway. And what, I mean, it's fair to ask what they're going to do versus what they should do. Cause you're going to have Carpenter back him and Ben and Tindy are both supposed to be coming back. DJ is supposed to be coming back. I mean, then you have Cabrera. That's an odd man out. You have, these different things like where do you work in Matt Carpenter? I, I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to make the right decisions. That makes me nervous because I think they have the pieces to have a productive offense. It's just a matter of using them and knowing when to use them, which they should be able to do at that level. But do you really have faith in them to do it? I don't No, And my fear is that he's going to be like you said, the odd man out because I mean, and it, it's also, it's tough for me. Like we know what the Yankees will do and what we want to do. What I want to do is conflicting because I want Carpenter in. I want Ben Attendee in, and they probably will get more run than he will, and he's young, and they'll always ben- like default to saying he's the young guy. Like you said, Murph, about Peraza, he got some fun times in the majors. He has a bright future ahead of him, that kind of thing. But I, I have a fear that if he gets any run in the playoffs, he will be not getting obvious consistent at bats. And that might be, he might be very bad in those spots because he's, he's good yeah. because he's getting consistent at bats now. And a, a young player like that, just getting, you know, I mean, look what happened to Miguel Andujar, RIP. Like he didn't get every day at bats for basically his whole Yankee career outside of his first year. And now he just got DFA and he's on the pirates. So. Yeah. But even, even like, even if that does happen, like he's still a, a defensive asset on the bench like that's who you, that's like the ideal guy you want on a bench he will be a, the defensive replacement if like, you know like, but for who don't be surprised if they pull something that's kind of like a platoon lineup if they change it every night like dj's toes not a hundred percent so they're gonna start him at third or they're gonna like i i feel like they're gonna work different guys in and out i don't know how i feel about it but that's the only way to actually get them the run i guess like how else do you work them in without hurting feelings which is their biggest concern like they don't want to hurt ikf or donaldson's feelings so they're not going to bench them but i feel like they're going to work people in they have to you have to right so do you think he's going to be the guy that they work in similar to how we were talking about dj at the beginning of the season how dj was going to be that guy who you, he might get some start and he did and he might get some first base third base second base and you just work him around now i feel like almost dj has that solidified 
what? I mean, where where is DJ doesn't have a solidified spot too, so that's it's a, even tougher now to make that the Oswaldo Cabrera thing. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, yeah. he will, and he adds that extra element of being the outfielder. And Ben Attendi coming back off injury, is he going to start every night? Maybe not, because what you said, Damon, too, about him being the defensive replacement. Every other starter in the lineup that he would replace is a defensive, a good defensive player. So I don't. Yeah. He's not going to sub out Donaldson. Donaldson plays fine defense. He's not going to sub out. He'd sub out IKF. IKF is the only one. I, I was about to. I was looking at the list. Like he's not going to sub out Ben Attendee otherwise, other than injury slash rest. But if you're starting him and it's a playoff game, you're not going to rest somebody. Like he just the only yeah. person you could circle is him replacing is IKF, and that's I think it. They would do Glaber if Glaber was playing second. That you. Could but Glaber's bat has been so good that you don't you don't want to do but that. You're, you're talking about defensive replacement, but the, that takes the bat out of the lineup effectively. And if it goes to extra innings and stuff like, like that's what I mean. Like, you don't want to take out the like that. That'd be like pinch running for Stanton, and then you lose the bat for the rest of the game. It's like that. You don't want to do that when Glaber's been mashing the ball like he has been. I'm just throwing the suggestions out there because I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a different lineup every night. What's going to happen is if they do have one lineup that works, and uh, in all actuality, Cabrera's not going to play in the playoffs if these guys are healthy, and we all know that, which is kind of sad. I think it's kind of us just trying to rationalize it, but uh, that's the only way that makes sense because, I mean, even then, like we were talking about with DJ, where does he fit in? Like, I, I would have him at third, and I'd have Donaldson on the bench, personally. But I, do they do that? I don't know. Like, I, that, and I think that's a, more of a legit question than Cabrera. It is. But here's what Cabrera offers, and it's just as valuable to the, the sake of a playoff team, is he can come off the bench in any number of ways. He can go as a defensive replacement in any given position. Or, even better than that, if you're in the sixth, seventh, definitely at least the eighth inning and you have anybody on first base, he's fast enough to go as a pinch runner and whatever position that guy was playing, he can go ahead and play that position the rest of the game. And God forbid he gets up again. He's got a decent enough bat and he's a switch hitter. So, you know, you're confident pinch running him at any, pretty much any inning reasonably. And he's going to play that position defensively. He's going to pinch run effectively. And then if he gets him an at bat, then he's going to make the most of it. Well, so also, you, that's a very valuable piece in the playoffs, whether he's in the starting lineup or not. Yeah. Well, also Aaron Boone's is going to find a way to, if he's, if he's on the roster, like he's going to find a way to work him in in a lefty right situation. Cause he has that switch hitting ability. And then because his defense is so good, that makes that decision easier because he'll be like, Oh, all right. I have no problem putting him anywhere in the field and giving this at bat because left to right situation. Like, I could totally see that happen. But, again, that goes back to Luke's point about, all right, is he getting enough reps to this actual, for this to actually, like, be worth the, the switch? So And that may, not be, that may not happen. I'm just saying with young, yeah, yeah, with young players, they don't necessarily end up – he's not going to put up these same numbers, and that's just with anybody. What, like young yeah. players, old players aside, anybody who gets inconsistent at-bats is not going to be as good as they were when they're getting consistent run. But if Matt Carpenter's playing first and he hits a double in the sixth inning – and he yeah, can't he run. You're gonna you're gonna pull him. You're gonna put Cabrera there, and then you're gonna let Cabrera. Well, Carpenter play first. would would never play. First. He's just he's just one example of somebody that it would make right. sense to pinch run and any like if they're in scoring position and it matters because Stanton's a DH. So, but even Stanton, even if it is a DH, like you know, same thing. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me totally if Ben Intendi wasn't 100 percent healthy and they kind of reverse roles. Like Ben Intendi was kind of the role player because you don't want to reaggravate that risk and you. I mean, he is fast as shit, so you need a pinch runner. There's Ben Tendi. You need somebody that can kind of weather the storm. He's still in pain, but you need somebody to get on base. You need somebody to, you know, put the ball in play. There's Ben Tendi. If he's not fully healthy and he's not actually 100%, I think that you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, this is all speculation. This whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, this whole conversation is probably for nothing, but I mean, it just, it's really an interesting question because what the fuck are they going to do in October? I'm like right now they're rolling out a consistent lineup that's working and I don't want to change that, but they're going to, and you're going to have to, because you can't justify benching some of these people. Like if DJ's healthy and he's producing, like he's been one of the best hitters in baseball for fucking yeah. years, four, five, six years now. So what do you do? It just, I don't know. Like right now, I'm totally happy with the lineup minus Donaldson and IKF. But even them, they're they're hitting right now. They're producing at least to their standards. So like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's, like, it's interesting to know. see what's gonna happen. It's obviously, it's gonna be. I hope it's not 
a piecemeal lineup every day, like a new one each day, because I never that never works in my mind. I, it, you may show me a different scenario where it has worked, but I've never seen it be. <clears throat> it just doesn't make sense. It's just not going to work. Um, but it's probably going to be what happens, or the young guys are just not going to get their playing time, which is just how it's going to go. Uh, unfortunate for Cabrera Peraza, but that's just going to be the way it goes. Uh, more on Nestor. Um, like I said, since July 14th, no other pitcher has a lower ERA than him. That's every pitcher in the league. McClanahan, Otani, all these great pitchers that are throwing very well. Nestor Cortez has been like consistently, silently dominant, as he's always been for the last two years. Um, question that Chandler brought up. Who do you think finishes higher in Cy Young voting, Nestor Cortez or uh, the seemingly easy to hit a home run off of Garrett Cole? Not seemingly. He leads the league in, in home runs allowed. I think it's like 30-something now. Um, but He might break uh, the Yankee record for most home runs given up, actually. It just makes no sense to me because, like, how do you lead the entire league in strikeouts, but you're – so you're – by design, the strikeout is a, a pitcher who makes it – who can get a lot by you and you're, you're hard to barrel up and you miss a lot of bats, but you're also the easiest to barrel up and hit home runs. against. <laughs> like, it's because it he overthinks he, it. He, he, he misses. overthinks his pitch mix. And when he does, like he'll just hang a slider. Cause he feels like he needs yeah, to, he throw, when, whenever you see him sit there and stick with his fastball and locate his fastball and just feel confident in that pitch, he dominates like the game he had, I think it was two starts ago, three starts ago. It was three starts ago. He had like 13 or 14 Ks, went like six or seven innings. He was throwing like 70% fastballs. That's when Garrett Cole's good is when he simplifies things, goes and attacks hitters, doesn't get cute, doesn't walk people. If he gives up a home run, it's a solo shot. So what? You got beat on a fastball. When he's dancing around on the corners, trying to throw in his cutter, throwing his slider, throwing his knuckle curve. I was listening to David Cohn talk about it too. He's like, the slider looks like a fastball and you can fool people on that. The knuckle curve, you can fool people once per bat, maybe. And when he's struggling, he's trying to work it in there too much. To me, it's him just overthinking and trying to, you know, make it. He is trying to be cute with it when he's got one of the most dominant fastballs in the game. So uh, I don't know. And that's what happens. That's why he's getting barreled is once you, like you're saying, he's trying to work that slider in there. And then, you know, you, you can only throw a slider so many times and have it when you're that kind of pitcher and eventually you're going to leave one out there. And that's what happens. Whereas, you know, a sinker baller throws a slider, it's supposed to be the weak contact and you're not supposed to get the strikeouts the same way, but you know, he's blowing it by you with the fastball. And then when he does throw that slider in there and it spins and it, that's where that's what happens. It, it kind of does make sense. And it's just, he's struggling. But yeah. if any, I don't think either of them are going to get serious Cy Young votes, but no, I'm saying who finishes Nestor. higher. Nestor. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nestor, uh, I guess. I don't know. They're like, I they're want... both not even in the top five. Probably. See, here's the thing. They'll no, both I, finish I, top 10 though. I, I think, maybe, I think Nestor deserves more, but Garrett Cole will get more because he's Garrett Cole. I agree. And people are in the strikeouts and, and leading the league in strikeouts. Well, yeah. Like Nestor, Nestor doesn't lead or anything. He just, Crushes. Yeah, but he's been the, our best pitcher consistently this whole year. And but like, but Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. He's the big name. He's the big contract. People know him. It's like, you know. I mean, Nestor Cortez has has four WAR and Garrett Cole has two and a half. Yeah, but Garrett Cole three four nine ERA. Nestor Cortez two five six ERA. Isn't that like the fifth lowest or by a Yankee through twenty seven starts or something ridiculous like that? The two five six. Yeah, it's could, somewhere could in the top five. It's it's like he's having one of the most dominant Yankee pitching seasons of all time. It's crazy. I know that outside of Garrett Cole coming to the Yankees, we haven't really had dominant pitchers outside of CC Sabathia. So like that makes total sense. I, I could see it. Um, the obvious thing that is is glaring is that he had Cole has two hundred and forty four strikeouts versus Nestor's one fifty one, but every other statistic. Uh, Nestor is better than Cole and even outside of wins, but it's 11 wins to 12 wins and Nestor has less losses. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Obviously I don't think they're going to finish within the top five, but I, I also think Nestor might finish higher, which is crazy to say. And, and, and do we parlay that into the conversation of, I like, you know we've had this a bunch of times, but where do you stand on game one? They've already still, announced you, Cole's going to be out there. 
Yeah, they've can't. already announced Cole, and you have to go Cole. I, I know, but outside of outside of the what they're going to do, like we have most of the time on this this podcast, is in terms of a conversation. But who, what would you do? Who, who would Cole, who do you? I mean, who do you Cole. feel? Not what would you do? Because I, I think I also would do it just because we paid him so much fucking money. So and he's a good playoff pitcher. So it's time to buck up. But who would you feel more confident in? Because obviously, I think I think Nestor's going to go game two now that Montas is out. He probably should have gone game two even if Montas was in. But who would you I feel mean, like Cole. when you wake up that morning? I'll, I'll phrase this question: Cole. You wake up that morning, who do you feel more confident in? Are you trying to phrase it in a way that we're not going to say Cole? Because I think it's, I'm still, still Garrett say Cole. It's Cole no matter what. You got to think of the upside in the playoffs. You can't go play to not lose in the playoffs, especially in a game. Well, I don't think Nestor is playing to, to not lose. Though. That's what I was trying to, to phrase that as like, you need I to feel throw the guy out there. That's the dominant pitcher that has the playoff pedigree that can go out and give you seven. Nestor Cortez, he can, but who's the guy that's most likely to go out and give you seven, eight innings, preserve the bullpen and just dominate and really set your team off on the right foot. It's Garrett Cole. And don't get me wrong. Nestor Cortez is having the better year. He's having the better season. I love Nestor Cortez. He is the bona fide game two starter, and he's a damn good one. But it's mm-hmm. it's Garrett and Cole. If, it's and Garrett if Cole every day of the week. It doesn't matter the about lineup. the price tag. It doesn't matter about the price tag. If you if you're paying Garrett Cole five hundred thousand, or you're paying him you know thirty two million or whatever it is, a guy with that arsenal and that amount of innings and workload that he can throw, when you're comfortable enough to throw a pitcher out there with one hundred and twenty pitches and start another inning with him. Right or wrong, that's your guy. No, I agree. Who do you who if you're in the lineup, you're you want them to roll their best guy out there game one. And guess who it is? It's Garrett Cole. Yeah. I can't have home run also. I know I was about to, I was about to say that too. Sorry. We're recording this on Monday night at seven thirty, so it's the early innings of the, the game tonight. And uh yeah, that's just that was kind of a bomb. That was kind yeah, of a bomb. Yeah, like that was, that was not that was kind of a no doubter, honestly. <laughs> that was kind of a fucking bomb shit. Uh um, and, and going back to the Cole Nestor conversation, when you, when you look at the matchups and what they will be in the playoffs in terms of matching starters up against people, I am pretty confident in our, our one, two punch right there. Like we have Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole. Uh, it, it may not seem that way throughout the season when you, or when you compare it to other matchups outside of, you know, the obvious ones like the Mets have DeGrom and Scherzer and that's you're not going to feel confident going into that when you when you match the starters up against each other but I don't feel not confident and if if the bats are moving the way they are now and we get the guys back we can we can totally make a run we, and we talked about this on the previous episode when we uh, went through round by round of our predictions for the playoffs if they ended today so if you want to go listen to that that's the the prior episode but you know I, with these guys from back and the good reports that we're getting there's no reason why we can't, and and I know the the announcers and stuff on the, the bullpen is why we can't. Well, that we could figure that out and use starters in a way to get to get funky with it, with like Frankie Montas and stuff like that. But all this to say, I, I guess another temperature check after last episode because two weeks ago we were saying this is a dumpster fire and and we it's, everybody outside judges isn't doing anything. I think the best way to put it is the way I think Cohen said it. They're just going to be a tough out in the playoffs, and I think that's the way you put it. We're not going to be uh, like anybody's favorite. Go like the betting, the sharps are not going to take us, but I just think that we're going to be a tough, tough out in the playoffs, which is kind of sad to say when you know where we were at the beginning of the season, as just putting it as being a tough out versus like the team that's team to beat type thing. It's a very different narrative, but I think I'm, I'm, I prefer I'm, it. Yeah, I, I do. I don't. Considering, considering where we were, I don't. But I, I understand that they're different, and I understand that being the team to beat means you're a better team. But I, I don't. I just like that that narrative. Yes, I don't but, like, I don't want to be. Since the team we to started beat. as the, we were going to break the wins record and all that stuff. How far we fall into cares. this? That's what. I, that's why I'm not pumped about being the the tough out, so to speak, versus the team to beat. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, we were getting hot at the right time, which we talked about like a couple months ago. We were like, I mean, I thought this too. Like, yeah, there was like, a, there was a very brief time where we were talking, and I was like, they might not make the playoffs, but we all knew those kind of you know ridiculous statements to say. And now I'm like, all right, looking back on it, they did have that terrible run, but now they're getting hot again. Seven game win streak, a sneaky seven game win streak, heading into the playoffs hopefully clinch the ALEs tonight like it's the right time to happen and 
I'm feeling so much better about heading into the playoffs right now. Because if if we ended the playoffs, ended the regular season, and like just hung on by a thread and won the AL East by like two games, and we barely scraped our way to get through that, and we were losing games, I would be like, this is just a, let's chalk this up as a loss, and let's just go home because I would not feel good feel good going into the playoffs. But um, they keep pulling me back in, and I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> Want to do the knots? Yes, sir. All right, and let's do the knots. I got him. All right, Murph. Three, two, one. Leading off for the Nats, <clears throat> we already mentioned Araldis Chapman. We already mentioned Garrett Cole. We already mentioned Miguel Andujar. Those are three that I had on Nats. I'm going to just leave those out for now. But the other two that I had outside of them, Jose Trevino over the last month, zero walk rate, no walks for this guy. Doesn't like walking. Um, doesn't like running either because when he gets hits, he's only at a 173 clip. OPS 385, negative 5.9 offensive war. Uh, what do you think about Jose Trevino? I unfortunately like kind of think he's regressing to the means, as we said before. Obviously, he's overcompensating for it, and he'll bounce back, I think, from that. Those numbers, the walks, I wasn't really aware of, and that's a little concerning, but yeah, he's not the all-star hitter we thought. Yeah, man made an all-star team before. Marwin Gonzalez last month, uh, 135 batting average, 535 OPS, negative 2.2 offensive war, but just for reference, it's not as bad as Jose Trevino. Fair, but Still, I don't see him on the playoff roster. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that'll be it. I mean, we already talked about, I have Araldis Chapman, Garrett Cole, Frankie Montas, Andujar as just like a, a see you later, Andujar. Hope you do better in Pirate in the, in the Pittsburgh type thing. But um, I think we, I know your feelings on Chapman. I think I know your feelings on, I mean, l- let's, let's dive into this one a little more. More on Trevino, but before that, Frankie Montas, with all that being said with Boone, it, him saying, you know, it, it's it's tough time-wise to get him into the playoff rotation, suggesting the opener-slash-relief role. What is your take on that? I think it's just him being honest about his injury. No, no, I mean, yeah. what, what's your take on, do you think that, are you are you pumped? Are you, you think he'll be good in a relief-slash-opener role? Like, what are, you, no, what's, what are your feelings no. towards that? I don't feel good about him pitching any meaningful innings in October, <laughs> but I'm glad they're not starting. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Murph? I couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. I, I like, have, honestly, I haven't awesome. felt confident watching him pitch once this whole year. Thank God we <laughs> traded for him then. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. He's At least we didn't bad. give up a whole lot for him, though. But to be fair, I mean, you can't criticize the trade. We needed a pitcher, and he was the best name. Yeah. He has, like, the, Castillo, the so. least amount of earned runs, right? Out of the three guys, which was a little surprising because I thought Montgomery was tearing it well, up. The other two have fourteen and in, in yeah. four games, and he has thirteen. It's not like he's you know lighting it up. Yeah, but it's not like we're. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like he could figure it out. It's just with the injury thing. Like hopefully that's what it is, and the off season will do well for him, and we'll have him for that next year. But just like Joey Gallo, the off season was going to get his head right for New York. <laughs> It's really one thing show if it's that he was going to show right the Yankees thing, fans. If it's I will say a glimmer physical. of hope of Montas. His velo is down pretty significantly. So I don't think he was 100% healthy. Maybe that's part of it. But a lot of it to me was, I mean, not even to me. This is just a fact. A lot of it was location issues and stuff like that. So pitching behind it counts, walking batters. That could be an injury it could not be i don't know so we'll, we'll that see. could stem that's from the, the same assertion. thing that's taking his velo down though that's what i'm saying but it also could not so right. that's that's a wild yeah. that's a total wild card but i'm trying to be positive well if you're also con- concerned with him not being or the reasoning being him potentially not have been healthy at the time certainly not healthy right now because he's he's not gonna make the rotation because of timeline on his injuries so it's not gonna be much better than he was before if, if injuries was the concern but um, no, the, the the rotation wasn't the concern though. Right now, I feel like. Well, he he was saying not going to make the playoff rotation because of injury timeline, not because of who the pitcher is and the confidence in him and how he's been performing. So no, I'm I saying, know. with that being said, with him coming back, he's going to be injured as well. 
I'm I'm just saying that you know Herman's been pitching pretty well. Like you know Sevy's back; he's pitching well. You can still put out a really good three because he hasn't yeah. been the guy that you traded for anyway. So right. So I, not, I think you they know, you're yeah. not really losing that much. Right, and I don't Herman's think they're going been to be mainly out of the pen lately. No, he had one. He's start, now back in the rotation, his... though. I was he yeah, was no, but... coming out of the pen. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. So he that was his first start since like September third. When right? Montas went to the IL, that's when he came back into the rotation. Yeah, and I mean, Sevy's looked great so far. He's pitching tonight, so I don't want to speak too soon. But last time he pitched, he looked awesome. Um, went about five innings, so not sure how deep he's going to go into games because he probably can't be that built up. I'd expect probably around five innings max in the playoffs because it's considering they're going to start in like 10 games. So I don't know. I, I, I think regardless, yes, I think the reason why he he even if he was fully healthy, he would not be in the rotation either way because of the way that you know Cole Nestor and Sevy I mean you don't have more than three starters anyway unless you're in even if you are in a, in a seven game series you really only have a three man rotation so yeah I think his role would have been in the in the bullpen regardless of injury uh more on Trevino um <clears throat> one thing that I wanted to also point out regardless of the stats that I just mentioned and him not being like any there at all offensively his defense obviously it hasn't wavered, and that's that's been what who he is as a guy. He's always been that guy. But one thing that I noticed is that like in terms of games played over the last thirty days, Trevino has eighteen, and Higashioka has fifteen. And in terms of the plate appearances, they're about even. So, where do you see that working in? I mean, at, at this point, they're both just defensive catchers, which is exactly what we thought they would have been. But I mean, Trevino is a much better defensive catcher. And if you want to go by just the overall war again, I mean, we, we know that. But over the last 30 days, Jose Trevino has 4.2 defensive war versus Higgy's 2.5. So, I, I don't know. What do you see them doing in the playoffs in terms of the catching situation? I I don't really think it's like a I, – I don't think it's – I think it's Trevino I don't every think day. You, yeah, I don't think you really change anything. Like, I think you just kind of keep it the way it's going. Yeah, you don't you don't change because of a bad September, like uh, yeah. any position really. The like, uh, well, no, the bad September aside, I'm just saying in terms of the distribution of games played, it's been about even, and but then the plate appearances as well. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be Trevino. The the answer should be Trevino. I mean, he's clearly been the better catcher. Not uh, defensively, you know. They're probably the same. Offensively, he's obviously been better than, than Higgy this whole year. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta play him. There's uh, there's no. I don't really think there's a question about the catcher situation. Like, I think they've been probably playing more or less the same amount of time because you know you're playing every day. You need that rest as a catcher. But coming on playoff time, you're gonna be getting like every other day rest. Um, I I I don't think Higgy gets a lot of playing time in the playoffs i don't think i don't think you should hope so i was just pointing out the the tea leaves is where the distribution of games that were being played were at currently um marwin obvious sell but um yeah i think we talked enough about that but do you want to get into the uh the stats that i that i pulled together go off king let's do it so essentially what I did, and I teased it on the last episode, was you know taking a look at what Judge has done this season and trying to put together, um, you know, try to look at all of the best offensive seasons ever to be played, you know, including guys like Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, all kinds of stuff like that, and then just trying to, outside of war, which is the obvious way to describe who's playing a better season, I wanted to basically put it at, an, at a level playing field in terms of like how the MVP voters would vote and like the categories that they would look at and where they rank among those top 25 or so people that I, I pulled in this list. So that list includes Babe Ruth, you know, Miggy Cabrera's Triple Crown year, Mark McGuire, Babe Ruth again, <laughs> Barry Bonds again, like multiple of those seasons and just everything, Mickey Mantle, 1956, all that kind of stuff. So I took all of the categories and I... Basically gave you points for where you ranked among that top 25 people at each category. And if you were first, you got 25. So it's inverse of the where you landed. So if you got, like, obviously, I'm not going to give you one point. I'm summing up all of those rankings, if that makes sense. So 
like I said, if you ranked first in runs, you got 25. And then moreover, I took off all the categories, runs, home runs, extra base hits, RBIs, stolen bases, uh, strikeout to walk ratio, batting average, OPS, OPS plus, and total bases. Those are all the stats that I, I chose as important stats to me in terms of uh, measuring a, a good season. And then I wanted to take it one step further and assign weights to those. So which ones are more important to me? Those that are more important are home runs, RBIs, uh, batting average, OPS, OPS plus. Those all got a weight of two versus one on the other side of the, the you know, stolen bases and other stats like that. So then that, you just create your own war. Uh, kind of, but like the, this I think is, is more interesting because you look at those specific categories and it's like, where would it's, how would they fare if they all had these seasons simultaneously and where the voters would vote in terms of the most impressive off- offensive season of all time. And, you know, maybe it's similar to war, but I, it was a fun way to slice it up. And I, I thought it was cool. I just wanted to see where judge ranked specifically against these players in their exact specific season. And when I looked at the numbers, it was, it was kind of cool. Obviously, I wanted Judge to be high on this list, but uh, any guesses to who had the the best offensive season ever by this this metric? And it is honestly, it was I, I was relieved when I saw the answer to this because it proved that taking these stats the way I did were it was it proved the system was pretty correct. You included the steroids. I included the steroid era. Barry Bonds in two thousand four, huh? Yeah. No, it was it was not. Not Bonds. It was Bonds. Though. It was Babe Ruth Sosa? in nineteen twenty one. So by these numbers, Babe Ruth in nineteen twenty one had the best season. Um, then Lou Gehrig, Rogers Hornsby, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth, Hornsby, McGuire, Sosa, Mantle, then Judge is at eleven, ahead of Ted Williams, Maris, Bonds, Cobb, and Miggy Cabrera, and then a bunch of other people. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was cool to point that out. Is that he? was 11 on the list of, and this is that's crazy, 11 on the list of all-time seasons ever played, regardless of whether they were against electricians and all that stuff that we talked about in that article that we broke down about three episodes ago about, you know, w- whether Judge doing this is more impressive because of, you know, how much he's leading by for the next best guy, 20 home run lead in that. four different pitchers he has home runs Yeah, off. all of that. And more on that, if you want us to hear us break down why this specific season Outside of the stats, like the alternate reasons why it's more impressive, uh, that's a couple episodes ago. Uh, we'll link it in the bio. But the, I, like, this is just plain on the stats. Outside of like you just mentioned, Murph, the amount of pitchers you faced, the uptick in velocity from pitchers, the like, just all that kind of stuff. The amount starters go deep into games that doesn't happen anymore. All that kind of stuff. He ranks eleven on that. And then also, if you remove out, this is attempting to remove that kind of stuff. Anybody post-1956, he ranks fourth among... So in terms of what we've seen recently, since 1956, he's had the fourth most impressive season based on this list. Number one, this time around being Bonds in 2001. That's the year he had 73 home runs. Maguire, Sosa, Aaron Judge, Roger Maris, uh, Bonds again, Miggy Triple Crown, Bonds 04 and Frank Robinson in 1966. So it's just, it's cool. It's very cool. I just wanted to put it to uh, a test to see, you know, in recent memory, he's had the best season outside of the steroid era. So natural players, he's had the best season we've seen since 1956. Yeah, that's insane. What do you guys think about the uh, ESPN cutting away college football to show us at bats? Because people are freaking the fuck out about that. They can get over it's history. So see, there's where I am. Like, I just can't win. I just like I don't really care. Like, if you want to get upset about it for like, if you don't care about baseball, fine. The only people that piss me off, uh, I had a friend text me. Was like, yeah, it's just because he's a Yankee. I was like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, if if you want to say that they shouldn't cut the baseball, fine, but don't tell me it's just because he's a Yankee. That's fucking stupid. I I think I'd. I mean, I don't really fucking care, but like, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to take a side, I don't think they should do it. I don't think it's. You don't think they like, should? I mean, yeah, you know, no, maybe I mean, like, in a little I, box or yeah. whatever. I mean, like, but... who the? F- I mean, like, if you're, I'm just putting, I'm trying to look at a different perspective here. Like, if I'm watching a college football game on ESPN, like, I'm watching it because I want to watch that. I'm not watching it because I want to watch. Yeah, Aaron it's different. I was flipping back audiences. 
I was flipping like, back and forth between the game last yeah, night. Yeah, because you want to see both. Yeah, well, yeah think of the flip, yeah, yeah think of the both. flip side. Like if you don't give a shit about baseball at all, and college football is your only sport, and you're watching, you know, a super intense game, and they're just cutting it away and showing the commentary for Yes Network, you'd be pretty pissed off. And so, yeah, vice versa, if it's baseball to football, I'd be pissed. So I, I get it, but don't tell me it's just because he's a Yankee. That's my yeah, only. That, no, it's I, because of, it's because of all the things that he's I just trying listed. Trying to grow the game of baseball, and he's the face of baseball, hitting sixty home runs. Yeah, quite literally having the most impressive season since 1956 <laughs> so Dude, if, I, if i'm watching a yankee game and cut to like steph curry breaking the three-point record i'd be pissed oh like, yeah something's going through my TV. fuck like i'd rather just see that on fucking twitter i, I guess that's a good that's a good analogy because i wouldn't give a yeah. fuck about that because I, I obviously we're all big baseball fans here so we we err on the side of like yeah that's crazy if bonds was that going after 73 i would want to yeah. see that cut in but Steph Curry just did it, and I didn't give a fuck about that. So yeah, I, I could not care less. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that puts to bed, to bed that, that conversation because <laughs> not one of us gives a shit about Steph Curry breaking a three point record. So yeah, uh, yeah. but I, I I just thought that was that was very very cool. Um, yeah, good job, Luke. Thanks. It actually took a, a pretty long time to do this, so I'm glad you guys you guys liked it. But I also wanted to slice it up against all of the most recent. Uh, MVPs, so like the Donaldson MVP year and all that stuff to see just how much better he was than those guys because, you know, it's one thing to win MVP, which I evidently think he's going to do. That remains to be seen. We've set our piece on that versus Otani. But, like, it's another thing. Like, everybody wins the MVP, but, like, which one's the more impressive MVP? And I think this this alone tells you, like, the fact that he was – right up there and in terms of like the overall score that they received is based on those rankings like i said and multiplied by the weights he was very close in terms of overall rankings to bonds mcguire sosa and i mean obviously it's it, this is heavily dependent on like home runs and stuff like that but it equally ops and ops plus but it, it's it's just wild times it's all this every time we bring up something crazy i feel like this season has been you know different ways to slice up how historic this season is, but I just want to put it in perspective for what we've seen or haven't seen. Cause I, I was born in 1997, but like, I mean, bonds, McGuire bonds, Oh one McGuire. Sosa, 1998, 1999. Like it's not something we've seen for a very, very long time. And I mean, most recently Miguel Cabrera in 2014, but I mean, judge better than him. So that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's it for me. Does anybody else have anything else to uh... go? Yanks. No, let's, let's go Yanks. Hopefully, by the time you're bit. listening to this, we're AL East champions. And yeah, Judge there. has the home run record. So well, I don't know about that. <laughs> that'll do it from us. One last thing that I wanted to say is I I do I feel bad for the Maris family <laughs> because one the record is potentially going to get broken, but two. He picked the wrong the wrong time to go on a dry spell because they're just going to every single fucking game. Do you think they're out in Toronto tonight? They are. They already showed them sitting they, like they, front row. They are. It's yeah. like a I, world tour. Yeah, like they're. I going, mean, they have to because I'm do sorry. Some kind get, of like tribute free. after he hits it. They're gonna have yeah. people on the field and all that. I know. Shit, so they I know they're free tickets the, to every game in like either a box or front row. I know, but they don't got it. things so to at do. This point, who cares? They don't really not. The fuck do they have to do? They're all. Are they? Not actually, not no, actually, but I mean, your son is one of the best players or grandson. Is in 1961, no, yeah. I, I think they're old enough where they're all like retired. So, all right. I'm, I was just they saying, probably, like, they probably just have real jobs and they're just like, no, because like, real jobs and take two months, two weeks off to go do this because wouldn't you? I would as well. I'm just, I'm just. These are all things that cross my mind. Is like they're 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 probably getting like complimentary tickets. They know they absolutely are. I'm just saying they yeah. they got lives and like they're all probably getting breakfast at a hotel in Toronto this morning. Like you think he's gonna fucking do it already? <laughs> like, I, don't yeah. I, I don't know how much man, more I'm free trying. baseball I can watch. Yeah, I'll go home, man. <laughs> if you don't think they're they're well off, I mean, their son was one of the best baseball players of all time. Like if they are in '61 though, yeah, but they can just be like, oh well, his contract is old. Like here's one of Rogers' old pairs of shoes. We can sell that and pay our mortgage for the next ten years. So like, yeah. I mean, he wasn't even that popular of a player. That was the whole thing that you know everybody gave him. Like, if you saw the movie Sixty One, he got like death threats for breaking Babe Ruth's record because they wanted Mickey Mantle to do it, except he got hurt. 
And like nobody really liked, not that nobody liked Maris, but nobody wanted him to be the one that broke Mantle it. Mantle was the homegrown boy. Exactly. Imagine and being like upset if like, I don't know, like Rizzo broke the record. Yeah. Like, would, I, that be, would that be like a wild thing? That, I guess that would be the, the best example is like he, like Judge is obviously that homegrown Mickey Mantle-esque player that you know, the fans are all in love with. I mean, Rizzo, obviously we are too, but like, it's crazy. Like he, he literally got death threats. If you haven't seen that movie, it's, it's a very good movie called 61. Um, correctly, accurately named, but yeah, it's just wild times. Uh, anywho, that'll do it for us. Go Yanks. Waiting on a tax return. Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.